Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freer versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys, welcome back to the Dylan Friends podcast, the first one for 2021, season four, and we are starting this season in style with the great man Dylan Alcott. Dylan Alcott is a Paralympic gold medalist, an 11-time quad tennis Grand Slam winner, novelist, podcaster, sporting commentator, and an honorary member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Between doing pretty much everything possible, Dill was generous enough for this time to sit down for a chat in the lead-up to the Australian Open, starting today. It's a very exciting time for the champ as he targets his seventh Oz Open title to add to an already crowded trophy case. Aside from dominating on the court, we spoke about growing up, finding our identity, and learning to love the skin we're in. Dill had some priceless lessons to hand out around the resilience and incredible outlooks he has on life from a journey unlike anyone else. I know you guys will get a lot out of this chat, and it was the perfect launching pad for a big 2021 for the show. Before we get into the show, Dylan Friends has now launched its Patreon page, Dylan Best Friends. I genuinely cannot thank you enough for all the incredible people that have signed up so far. It's truly incredible and I am speechless. I honestly cannot thank you enough for your love and support as Patreon, Illy XX members, Edmund Smith, Jacob Harvey, Jake Wilkie, Mitchell Connell, James Grant, Jake Hyatt, James Plunkett, Oliver Cheeseman, Mitchell Holmes, Damian Hillis, Declan Taylor, Ryan Stubbs, Toby McKern, Brandon Pitts, Matthew Humphrey, and Sean Sebastian. I love you. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to have you on board and cannot wait to connect with you all. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Many ways, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears. 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 Strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to Man. the Olympics? <laughs> They're sitting there meditating, going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How can this is a meditating site? I had a Wu Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Dylan Orcott, welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast, my friend. This has been a long time in the making. Mate, it sure has. I'm easily. The second most impressive talent to Dylan in the room right now. <laughs> That's not true. Man, we've been talking about this for a while. I've got to say, you know, not just pissing in pocket to start. Very proud slash impressed because you're kicking ass, my man. Man, I really appreciate that. And I'm not saying this. I'm not just saying this. But, and I hope you remember this. I'm sure you will. But when we first met, which was, I'm going to go back and say like 2016, yep. maybe even 2015. And you came to Carlton. You're a Carlton man. I remember, yeah. And you're number one ticket holder. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Friend of Carlton. Friend of Carlton. Yeah, we'll round up. We were a friend of Carlton. And you came to the club 
and you know we get a lot of you know speakers come to the club public speakers talk about certain things but I will never forget the day you came to Carlton and it honestly that chat that we had it really fucking sparked some shit in my inside of me and it wasn't the fact that your story and and you know what we'll touch on today it was just more the fact that I was like he's this fucking bloke and he just has a crack and it was before you had a radio show it was before you'd written a book it was before Ability Fest it was before all these amazing things you've done and I'm not surprised but I just want to say today how much of an impact that's had on me because from that it just fucking went you know what man if you want to do something you got to do it yeah I think also I remember talking to you and you're a bit of a rare unit like I am and you were different to the other guys at the footy club and there is a an assumption that you have to conform to be someone sometimes that you're not and we'll talk about it soon but I used to do that because I hated who I was I was embarrassed about who I was and as soon as I became proud of the person that I was and really embraced my difference, the same that you've done, mm. especially post-footy, all of a sudden the doors open, don't they? But when you're trying to be someone that you're not, it's a bit harder. And Matt, I appreciate that. I really do. And yeah. uh, it's nice to have, you know, today it's Dylan Dill. It is. And um, that'll be on the next cereal box, <laughs> I think, in 2022. Um, first, I want to talk about something very serious, probably the serious we'll get today. The spelling of your name. Now, I don't think anyone else will understand this as much as we do. But how bad is it when someone spells Dylan like... D-I-L-L-O-N. Something like that. Especially when your aunties who have been in your life for your whole fucking life spell it Dylan still. It's crazy. And it's, it's because It's offensive. Of, it's because of 90210. There was a guy called Dylan, yeah? Yeah. Or like, you know, um, Matt Dylan or the actors. There's a Dylan on Entourage. What's his name? Anyway. Yeah, something. Johnny Chase. Yeah. His last name's Dylan. Uh, Johnny, uh, so, yeah, it's D-Y-L-A-N. But have you ever noticed this? If you spell my name together, which is my Instagram handle, just say the dill part and then what's next? Alcott. Yeah, but if you just do the dill and then the A-N-A-L, what does that spell? Dill-L. Dill anal cot. Have you noticed that before? If you put my name together? Well, now you're, I have. I don't know why I've just said this because you've got a huge following. Now everyone's going to go. <laughs> dill I anal bet cot. You everyone will comment, oh my God, it actually says dill anal cot. And I didn't, that was my handle forever. And I didn't realize <laughs> until a good five years in when someone from Triple J texted and he goes, you actually called him. They're like, hey, Dylan, just want to let you know, when you put your name together, it's got an anal on it. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I never noticed that. It's good gear, isn't it? It is. It's great gear. And that's the things you just don't get uh, with a, a normal name. Because Dylan is one of those names, and we are dragging on a bit, but it's a name that it's a little bit timeless. I still feel like it's got a place in the world. And when I was younger, I was sort of like, I didn't like my name. But then I was like, you know what? No, I, I do like it. We're the, we're the first of the Dylans, though. That's a thing. Because when I do a school visit or that, there are Dylans. There around. is? Yeah, bro, they're coming. There's lo- DYs? LANs? DYs. Yeah, okay. So I feel like I don't know many Dylans our age, especially not many. I don't know any older. We're peaking at the right time. So we, we started a trend, I guess. <laughs> I mean, our parents did, but we'll claim it. But they're coming, brother. So we have to enjoy it while we, because there's like a, but there's so many 12 year old Dylans out there. We love that. But it's a great name. Shout oh. out, shout out to any Dylan out there. And, and if you're not spelling it right, there's still change. You can change it um, to the correct way. But yeah. in saying that, be yourself. Now, moving on, my friend, because there's so much to touch on today. Um, we we're just chatting off air before, and I, I genuinely don't think there is anything you're not doing at the moment, which I love, because I'm a go getter. Except walking. Okay, that was a good start. Very good, yeah, zinger. Well done. Now, the funny part about this is the fact that we're going to touch on all these things. I want to know, though, the bubbly man we see today, this extremely handsome, charismatic, talented man we see today. I like this. How did it start? Was it always like this for you? Did, Did you always have this charisma? Were you always positive? Were you always have this amazing mindset? What was it like as a kid? 
it was a roller coaster ride. When I was younger, I was really proud of the the person that I was. Uh, like I, so I didn't really notice I had a, a disability. So if you don't know much about my story, so I've been in a wheelchair my whole life. I was born with a tumor wrapped around my spinal cord, um, the size of like half a watermelon. Uh, and so I was like a nine and a half pound baby, poor mum. And uh, I was crook, man. And they cut it out when I was a couple of days old. And uh, it was pretty touch and go, to be honest. And I kind of shy over that because I don't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. But retrospectively, I probably had about 10 to 15 operations in the first three and a half years of my life. Flatlined a couple of times. You know, my parents got told to take a photo one night, which I only found out about this when I wrote my book. They got told to take a photo because I probably wasn't going to be there in the morning because I had a life-saving shot of steroids and that. And then, then I went to, you know, I hit about three and a half and then I was all good medically, to be honest. I've been pretty lucky that I've never really been back since. And I went to primary school and I really loved school. I loved playing footy. Uh, I was more of a stepladder though than a <laughs> participant because vertical leap, not one of my fortes. But uh, I... You know, I didn't really notice about my disability. And then, so I was a pretty happy kid, confident, enjoyed who I was. And then 12, 13, 14, it was like a click of the finger moment mm. where everything changed. I got bullied. It started that I couldn't keep up with my friends as much. Uh, they became less patient, which was fair enough too, because when you're 13, you don't, oh, hang on, I got away from my mate in the wheelchair. Like, yeah. Fair enough. And But it was more the, you know, I got bullied about my disability. Uh, I got called a cripple and a spastic everywhere that I went. And um, there, you know, for me, they're words that actually have a real negative connotation and I actually fully started believing them. And I mean, people that listen to your podcast, we're in the age bracket where, you know, you, you might still use words like that. Like how many beers did you have on Saturday? Oh, 100%. Madame Aspastic, you're yeah. Aspastic. Or Dill, you're a retard, you dropped something, whatever. And, um, you know, everywhere I went, the cripples here, the cripples here, and I started believing them wholeheartedly. And yeah, man, I was not the bubbly guy I am now. I ate, all I ate was Doritos and cheesy nuggets from Red Rooster. I was obese, played PlayStation, didn't go to school, hated myself. And the person that I am now and what I've, the life I live, if you had told me then it was going to happen, I would have told you to get fucked because I had no desire, no passion, but most importantly, no proud proudness in who I was and it was yeah you know it was it was tough for me what changed man like was there was there a crucible moment was there something that stuck out was there many sort of cases that just over time you believed or it's part innate part learnt I think confidence yeah uh and uh the two things happen one the biggest regret I ever had in my life besides my horrible fucking haircuts that I had when I was (laughs) there is some fuck there are some real bad ones man horrible was I didn't tell anybody about what I was going through. I think we as people are too stoic in everyday life and we're happy to celebrate the positives but when something negative is going on, we just don't talk about it. Mm. I didn't tell anyone and I'm an idiot because if I had told my brother, how my brother Zach, who's my best mate, how I was feeling, he would have helped me straight away. But I felt like a burden on him, my family. So I didn't tell anyone. Like as soon as I started talking about it, I felt better. Uh, and another thing, a mate of mine was, was having a house party and um, like, I don't know, I feel like I had friends at school, uh, but I just wasn't getting invited anywhere out of school. And I thought that was because they hated me because I was different, right? And I'd built up this narrative in my head and a mate of mine was having a party and I didn't get invited. And I was like, that's bullshit. So I said to my brother, Zach, you know, what do you do when you don't get invited to a party? 
And he said, well, me and my mates just jumped the fence. <laughs> primo, primo advice for your brother in a wheelchair. And I just decided to turn up, right? I had four UDLs, legend, uh, and knocked on the door and my mate opened the door and he had this shocked look on his face. And I remember thinking, Dylan, you idiot, why'd you come? And he said, Dylan, mate, I, like, and I'm sorry we don't invite you places. I didn't, I got two stairs to get into my house or a couple more. I didn't really know how we would go about it. Now, I can get up two steps, you know, we've, you and I have been to places we probably talk about it yep. on this podcast together with stairs. Revs and um, and and you know we can get upstairs. We can do whatever we want. I don't need a carer. I can go to the bathroom. But my mates didn't know all this. Yep. So what? I, and actually, they were embarrassed to talk about my disability with me. But more important than that, I was embarrassed to talk about my disability with them. I used to shy away from it because I wasn't proud of who I was. So it was like a sliding doors moment. And from that day on. I decided to never let my disability get in the way of anything I wanted to do. Talk about it whenever I felt like I needed to. Be proud of it. And that's when my life changed forever. It's unbelievable, man. And, and it shows that now, like, you've just embraced it. You are the motto of this show, which is be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And we, we live that. We love it. Everyone, I think, that realises that now. They realise how special it is when you can just be yourself. Question with that, though, in terms of your mate with the party. Do you think, sorry, the problem is sometimes people do feel uncomfortable to like ask those tough questions, which actually makes it harder in, gener- in, in that time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll ask you right now. If you want to find out something about your able-bodied teammate at footy or your co-workers, what do you do? Just ask them. You just fucking ask them, don't you? All of a sudden when you've got a disability, can't ask them, going to offend them. Yeah. How's it going to go? As long as you do it in a tactful way. So don't come up to me in a bar and go, hey, Dylan, why are you in a wheelchair? Or hey, Dylan, yeah. can you feel your dick or whatever, right? Yep which are my two most answered question, asked yep. questions. You know, buy me a beer first at least. <laughs> um, but, you know, like as long as you build up a rapport before you ask those questions, you can ask whatever you want, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, it breaks my heart when I, I try and help, I hate the word help, but change perception so people with disability can get jobs. And what I always hear is, oh, I was about to give this person with cerebral palsy and electric wheelchair a job, got to the final question, I was going to ask them, all right, what do you need in terms of your disability work? But I felt like I couldn't, so I gave the job to an able-bodied person. Mm. Ask them the question. Yeah. Right? right? And I think the more you talk about, you know, race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, whatever, the more it's normalised, right? And and I think disability is the one that's the least normalised now in society. So, you know, it's about talking about that and things like that. And uh, uh, but, but but it's also up, not up to them. It's a double-edged sword. Right? Yeah. They can't, the onus isn't on able-bodied world to include me. I've got to meet them halfway. You've got to be a part of it. I've got to yeah. be a part of it. Uh, one of my favourite sayings is you've got to buy a ticket to win the raffle. If that kid's at home playing, playing PlayStation still, am I going to the Paralympics? Am I talking to you right now? No way, because I'd just be at home. As soon as I put myself out there, this goes for anyone. You know, if you see someone you like at a bar who thinks good looking, go ask them on a fucking date. If you want to get a job, a, a pay rise or a promotion, tell someone. They're not going to just find you sitting there, right? Whatever you put out in the world, things tend to happen. You've got to make, you know, I, I, I don't believe in luck as so, but you make your own luck because mm. you put yourself in a situation where things can come. And, um, but I, it's hard, you know, when you get, when you're disabled and you get knocked back from every bar you go to, you just stop going to bars. When you never go on a date, you don't go on Tinder because you just think, what's the point? Yeah. So it's about all of us showing that we are an accessible, inclusive place so people can get out there and do what they want. You must, I suppose, take... That must be like everything you've done. You've won all, uh, all 
all Australians, you've won Oz Opens, you've won Wimbledon, you've won all these amazing things, you've written books, everything. But the one thing I feel would be the most special is having impact on people. And that's not just disabled people. That's, you know, you've had an impact on me. Like I said before, that story about just kicking ass, saying, nah, fuck this, I'm just going to go do it. Have you had any people, and I'm sure you have, but any stories stand out about um, any member of a disabled community that's gone like, you know what, I wasn't going to do this, but fuck it, you've done this for me. Oh, look, I don't like... There's millions. Certainly mine, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, one... So I run a, um, a music festival called Ability Fest, right? Mm. It's a music festival like any other festival, like Splendor, like Beyond the Valley. We just have some added accessibility features so people with a disability can come with their able-bodied mates. We have elevated platforms, pathways. We have Auslan sign language interpreters signing every lyric on stage. Have you ever seen sign language to rap music? I haven't. It's like someone having an epileptic figure. <laughs> it is impressive. Um, there's like sensory quiet areas for people with sensory disabilities like autism. We've got everything, right? Yep. And um, all the proceeds go to my foundation to help – the Alcott Foundation to help young kids with disabilities achieve their dreams. Anyway, we're there and um, I see this young kid. He's a guy comes to me. His name's Mark. He's in an in a, a electric wheelchair and um, he comes up and he's pretty much in tears and he comes up and he says – and his sister and says, mate, I just want to say thank you. Um, this is the best day of my life. Mm. Now he's 22 years old. He'd never been to the footy, the cricket, a shopping centre, a festival, anywhere with his mates in an environment that was fully inclusive and fully accessible. That was the first time, right? And I didn't do it for that reason. I just did it because I wanted to get loose and put on a good show and have a good time. Um, and then, you know, uh, a few months later, Mark passed away. And uh, he, he actually also told that story to a mate of mine who was his doctor before he passed away. He told somebody that he didn't know about his best Didn't know life. you knew them. And that was my mate from school. Yeah, I mean, I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps too. Yeah, yeah, fuck. And I don't do it for that reason, man. But my purpose in life is not to win grand slams and gold medals. My purpose in life is to change perceptions so people, all people, but especially people with disabilities, can get out there and live the lives that they deserve to live. Everybody deserves to go to a festival and have a beer, deserves to go on a date, deserves to have a job, Deserves to play sport, right? Everyone does. So it's about finding ways to do that. And that's why I get out of bed, brother. And tennis gives me that platform, which is cool. And it's people like you, friends of mine who have helped me be me. Hey, and we joked about revs or whatever, but you're like, I'll carry up the stairs. Mm. If you're not doing that, well, then I wasn't going out to places. You know, your producer Sam's a mate of mine from high school and he knows because he's been one of them, but how good my mates are to never leaving me behind. That gave me the confidence to help me be who I am. And now it's just more the public as well because they actually might know my name or whatever it is. And, you know, all that really helps me with my mission, which is to try and keep smacking down those, those you know, glass ceilings, as we call them, to help people get out and be the people they want to be. Yeah, it's very special, man, very special. And, and I love that point there. You are who you surround yourself with. And I think that's a big thing that people realise going forward, like whether that be – you know, a time in your life, if it's a positive influence on you or a negative, it could be something that's affecting you, you know, the right crowd gets you to where you are. Like I've definitely, you know, through time cut some people yep. that weren't good for me. And you yeah. just, you can't know that without experience, but I think it's a huge point, especially younger audience listening. Like, Yeah, I think also what's really hard when you get older is when you're, it's not an excuse, but when you're busy or doing things, you also lose people you actually like because mm. they think you're being a dog. Yeah. And it breaks my heart that it used to break my heart a lot more because I was like, no, I really like you. I'm just not there, right? And then I used to use sleep and it used to really affect me. But now 
you can't control other people's journeys and what they're on and how they think, right? You can just be you. And, you know, I can't control that. And I know that I love them and I'm trying to be a good person and I'm not being a dickhead and that's all I can do, you know? And, you lo- you know, it's both, isn't it? You lose people you needed to lose, but sometimes you also yeah. might lose people that you don't want to. And as I'm getting old, I'm just turned 30 the other week, fucking old, but I'm washed up. Yeah. Um, so I'm starting to starting to come to terms with that, which actually is a is a good thing because you feel a bit better. Yeah, small circles, big checks, 2021. I like that. that like that. Um, talking about the, the festival, there's something that I actually didn't know and I'm ashamed that I didn't know this, but pre all of this, the festival scene was actually where you could name, but besides the sport, we'll, tra- we'll touch on in a minute. The festival scene was where you actually made quite a name for yourself. And this was crowd surfing um, at, at festivals with Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, yeah. Name a few of these. How did this come about? And and did you know that this was going to, like, was it just an organic thing yeah. that just happened? So I was at uh, Coachella, might have heard of it, in LA. Yeah, I, I used so. to live in America. So I used to play college basketball at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, yeah. uh, which is like an hour out of Chicago. Michael Jordan's son played on the able-bodied basketball team. And guess what? He was shit at basketball. <laughs> it, poor guy. That felt so bad. Suck, man. Jeff Jordan. It's a bit like me with my dad, sort of, like not on that level. Yeah, did you look at yeah. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> you, made, you made it to the league at least. Yeah. He couldn't get He couldn't get a college. Um, anyway, so well, I went to Coachella and I was with a few mates and they were like, let's sit at the back, like fucking – 250 metres away from Jay-Z. And I was like, I feel bad. So I'm like, no, let's go in, right? So we, we start at the back. It's like, it's kind of like watching the Red Sea part or it's like I have leprosy because you tap people on the shoulder and they just jump. Straight away. away. It's yeah. like a perfect pathway, <laughs> right? So we're 50 metres from the front and my mate puts one foot each side of my wheels and stands up on the back of my wheelchair, right? And I was like, that's, go for it. I've never done that. And he goes, oh, in return, I'll pick you up. And I was like, no way, that's dangerous. Anyway, he's like, come on, you know, we'd had a few. And he picked up, four boys picked me up and I crowd surfed in my chair and Jay-Z stopped the show and was like, give it up to my dude in the wheelchair right there. And then from then on, I called it the best seat in the house. And I've only ever drip, been dropped once. It was at um, Groove in the Moo yeah. Festival. And I landed on a mate of mine, Dave Fallon. And uh, yeah, I got only got dropped once and I didn't end up any more disabled than I started. <laughs> he was worse for wear. Pretty much elbow dropped him in the in, on top of his head. It was his fault though. He grabbed the wheel. If you grab the wheels, guess what? The wheels spin. Spin. Yeah, it makes so sense. But um, I want everybody right now. Obviously, don't leave the podcast. But Google wheelchair crowd surf fail. Is it you? There's a video of it. That exact moment. And Link it in looks the show like I got shot by a sniper rifle. Fuck. It's actually fucking hilarious. That's hectic. Mate, I want to talk about the the way you sort of got into the media, I suppose, because I want to do. I want to work backwards. I'm going media into the new sport. Because that was the, the fan fundamentals of things and how it all processed. But media gigs, how did that start? Was it just the public speaking early days? Um, and might I just add, by the way, I don't know if I sold that story well enough early when I said I first met you in 2015-16. You, like, I don't know if this was a part of it and it was something that I've taken to this day and I always speak about. You'd, like, mentioned, you put out into the universe everything you wanted to do. And you'd like said, I want to do this. I want to be on TV. I want to be on radio. I want to do these things. This was before you'd done it all. And, and now you're doing them. So like, how did the, the journey sort of go? Yeah, well, little fact people actually might not know is, so when I was 17 years old in, in, year, tw- in year 12, I actually won a Paralympic gold medal playing wheelchair basketball. Yes. So I was kind of the youngest ever wheelchair basketball gold medalist. And Horrific haircut, man. Fucking horrible. Like the worst and one. No beard and barely any eyebrows. Yeah. So I didn't grow eyebrows till I was about 18. Weird, 
It's like two disabilities. Um, and I, when I was there, I was like, oh, I, I kind of like this media stuff. So I actually just kept hounding the ABC was broadcasting it, like just to get opportunities. And when you're 17 and you win gold, it's pretty cool. So yep. I got a lot of media ops and I was like, oh, I kind of like this. And then you kind of, um, I started doing a bit of like motivational speaking, but at schools and then I, I, I was lucky that I went to a good school called Brian Grammar. I was good at public speaking and I, I got a scholarship to go to that school. I couldn't afford it. So I was very lucky um, uh, from a family who had a young kid called Mark Comport who passed away when he was at Brian Grammar, mm. had a disability. So they donated a scholarship. So oh, that's incredible. I was super lucky. And, um, uh, it, you know, I had the knack for it. And then I realized the reason I had this all of a sudden big goal is when I was younger, when I turned on the TV, the radio, newspaper, I never saw anybody like me. No one, zero, right? A little bit maybe the Paralympics and that, but I just didn't see anyone. And when I did, it was a road safety ad where someone drink drives, has a car accident. What's the next scene? Go in a wheelchair. Crying. Yeah. Life over. Yeah. That's Get fucked. Yeah. Fuck, fuck off, that's not me. Yeah. I, I Like it made me angry as a kid, angry. I was like, we need to change that. You know what I mean? Why can't there be someone with a disability being normal, being funny, sexy, fucking whatever so that's when i got this inside internal burning to do it but also i like sharing stories and telling my story yeah same as you so it's just a good fit but that is why i've had this um passion to work so hard to, to make it happen did i think it would happen no way i got interviewed on triple j afterwards talked to the boss i was like one day i'd love to work here just threw it out there and then i was lucky enough to win gold in rio in 2012 uh 2016 for tennis a month later got a call hey mate i know you've never done radio or know how to do the buttons, but would you like a drop of Triple J? It's like, I would love that, you know, like, and it's because I put that out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and you learn on the fly, like at Triple J, you do all the buttons yourself. Yeah. Everything. I had one lesson, then I was live weekend arvos. I fucked it so bad. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, bro. But that's where you learn, right? Yeah. Um, but I also don't take for granted that I've had so many opportunities a lot of people don't get, but I hustled my ass off for those opportunities. I, I feel as well, like listening to a lot of things, there's it, it hasn't people would look and be like oh you know this guy um he's he's won gold at the olympics he's playing tennis yeah he's been given these up like that is not the fact whatsoever but can you talk us through some of the setbacks you might have had getting employment because i suppose they're the ones that i suppose is a good way to talk about it because that's something that you've built your foundation around now good question get this going q and a thanks man look out hamish <laughs> um i went to a job interview when i was 19 won't say the company you know it though and that, it was like for a uh, student SBM, student brand manager. For was it Howie Games? Yeah, it was close. Yeah, okay. uh, shout out to Howie, love your work. Yeah. Um, and it was selling like the marketing this product within university. I went there, knocked on the door. Um, there, I didn't tell them I was in a wheelchair because if I clicked yes, I'm in a disability. I want to get the job interview, right? So you just have to lie, which is disgusting. Yes. Mm. Um, I knocked on the door. They walked down the stairs. They go, oh, so we didn't know you're in a wheelchair. I was like, oh, it's all good. They're like, oh, the job interview is upstairs. And I was like, oh, sorry, I just come down. They're like, look, we're just going to not do it. And they just shut the door. Hectic. And this shit happens every day to people. And, you know, when, when my wheelchair gets left on an airplane for an extra hour and they don't bring it up and I have to wait there an hour longer than you, they're buying me wine. They're being nice to me because they know my name and I've got followers. Yeah. What if you're a 40-year-old lady with MS, little kid with a disability? That person's just getting stuck there, right? So... You know, that's why I, I try and, and I, I think it's way better to call in rather than call out. I very rarely call out. 
I don't like people that just yell. You know, what do you mean by that? So call in? Call in to the person that's done it. Don't just call them out online. Okay, yeah, cool. Don't just abuse people because you don't get anywhere. No. You know when people just yell, yell, yell about their thing they're passionate about? You're like, fuck off. Yeah, right? it's annoying. The best way is to show by example, right? And it upsets, but you call in. Very rarely do I call out or whatever. I did have to do at the US Open in 2020, which we might talk about later. But yeah. Um, the, the reason that I do and you know people might think yeah Dylan Alcott's a flog and he's annoying and all that shit and you know what you can go for that yeah. if you want but you don't understand for people it's really hard sometimes and if I can use my platform to help in even the smallest little way I've got to do that right and not, not hectically but it's just something that I, I feel like I have to and, and there's also like little things when I first got a job on TV to um, do the tennis I got asked to interview Rafael Nadal have you heard him? Ah uh, yes Nice arms Yes Got better arms than me, uh, way better, and legs, clearly. And uh, he, he, they, he was on court, right? And they're like, oh, we've got this awkward thing. How are you going to interview Rafael Nadal? He's standing up, you're sitting down. Do you know what I said? I'm just going to hold a microphone to his mouth like everybody else. Yeah. And their eyes, like their head blew off. They're like, oh, that's a lot easier wow, than I thought. yeah. Does it matter that he's standing and I'm sitting down? Of course not. But they've just never seen it before. And then as soon as you do it once, it just seems to be normal now. And I still pinch myself sometimes when I see me interviewing Roger or Rafa or Kiggs, Nick Kyrgios, whatever, just seeing a guy in a wheelchair interview an able-bodied person, it's just cool to see, mm. right? And, and I don't want to be the only voice. I don't want to be the only example. I want there to be people with disability as actors, musicians, politicians, you know. I even get sick of myself sometimes in the sense that there needs to be more people. So, um, But, yeah, there was heaps of setbacks. And I think also you get better at broadcasting, in particular in the media, and the trick is, 100%, you have to, as you said, it's your slogan, you have to be authentic to you. Yeah. Because I was trying to be not, I was trying to shy away from my disability. You were trying to be like Jim Courier. Jim like, Courier. you know what I mean? Yeah. Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Um, I, he's actually a good bloke, by the way, Jim, if anyone yeah. doesn't like him. Absolute ledge. Yeah, once I started being me, fully taking the piss out of my disability, being me like I normally am, but broadcasting, I seem to have success because people can relate to you then. Otherwise, you're just blowing smoke up their ass. And I think that is why your podcast is successful because you are you. You're not sucking up to Alistair Clarkson or whatever. You're just being you. And mm. I think that is powerful, especially in a world where we're all often trying to be someone else because we're not actually proud of who we are. Oh, 100%. And I think that that's why now like looking back at, at things there's like been so many times where like I wasn't true to that and you just feel so sh- you even feel worse about yourself Spe- when you like you don't do it especially and you'll know now retrospectively on the sporting field oh it's when so you're bad. like I should have done that but I know Mick Moldhouse wanted me to do yeah, that yeah man oh that was my career and you just you, next minute you're done yeah and you're like fuck why don't I just do what I wanted right politicians I'm looking at um, Malcolm Turnbull the moment, he's writing all this stuff that he, sh- he wants to do I'm like bro you had you had your chance, yeah. Why don't you do it? Yeah. And he probably regrets that. And I know he would, right? So you got to get busy living and you got to do it while you get the chance. I love that. And I love the fact as well, though, that with things that you've learned, it's never too late. Like, you don't get down on yourself if you fuck up a situation or something because you've always got, like, if I didn't fuck up my footy thing, I wouldn't be sitting here now with you doing yeah. this. So it's sort of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. The basketball scene, I suppose, is something that I want to touch on because I've always been a big, uh, like, a, a sportsman. Like, I like sports. Yep. Actually, that's a lie. I liked football. I didn't really love sports, but I liked football. I liked playing team sports. And I suppose singular sports is something that's a little bit different in terms of tennis. It wigs me out, tennis, because, like, it, I, I can't watch it. 
I tell you the it gives me so much anxiety watching it because it's just like match point. You know, like you've got to hit this point at this time, and you can't win this unless you're doing yeah. that. There's no the, the biggest difference is there's no clock. Oh man, it's so hard. You, you don't know exactly. You don't know when things are finished, and you don't know how long they could go for. It could be X amount of sets. It could be this amount of points. You know, juice advantage, all this sort of stuff. And my question to that is: there's a point where one of your good friends, Daniel Ricardo, Daniel Rick, good man. And I want to get your opinion on this because you said something like the fact that when you were playing basketball and when you, he was playing team sports and when you play footy, you can play the best game you've ever played in your life and your team can lose. Yep. Or you can play the worst game you've ever played in your life and your team can win. Whereas when you're playing an individual sport, and especially in tennis and F1 and any individual sport, I suppose, if you're at your best and you do the things you need to do, nine times out of ten, you're going like, to win. Yep. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think... When you're having a shocker at a team sport, you just sub yourself out, brother. And I mean that. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, you just, you just get on the bench. I think the biggest thing is the, the hardest transition for me is in a team sport in particular, they all have scoreboards and clocks mostly, right? If you're up by 30 points for the minute to go, what do you do? You hold the ball and you win. In tennis, in an individual sport, you have to do something to win. Yeah. Right? I don't really, you know, not many, luckily no one knew who I was when I first came back to tennis. I lost my first nine finals in a row. So you get to the final? Yeah, lose. And you, so you my, choked? My, yeah, choked. Okay. I called David Wagner, my arch nemesis. In Wagner. I yeah. played 50 times or so over the years. Um, because I'd, I'd be up 6-2, six, 6-2, two, six, two, two, and then I'd choke because I have to do something to win. Like it, that was the hardest thing for me to, to, to come across from. But also, people say, what was better? Will basketball, wheelchair basketball gold or wheelchair tennis gold? Hard to say. Because one of the best things about a team sport is when we won. You celebrate. We celebrated with yeah. each other, right? We actually went to the Great Wall of China. We had a little, uh, we had a dude called Jeffrey who was our like translator. And we're like, Jeffrey, you want to go to the, this is a great story. I feel, I feel like this is my book, but I forgot. Come, I haven't told us in years. Jeffrey goes, we want to go to the accessible part of the Great Wall. He's like, yeah, got you sorted. Went to some bo- uh, like mini bottle. I picked up like eight crakes of long necks, right? So there's, Eight guys of the team went. Four of them are amputees, so they walk with a prosthetic. The other four are in wheelchairs, right? We get to the only in, inhabited part of the wall. There is 400 steps to get up. <laughs> Elevated on the other side, right? So we get there. We're like, fuck, what, like, what are we going to do? I'm 17. Got my gold medal. I've had one long neck. I'm hammered. Yeah. Like, <laughs> about to piss my pants. Just fucking I'm on one, right? Anyway, Jeffrey recruits these four Chinese dudes. We're paying 50 bucks each. And they carry... All four guys in wheelchairs to the top, 400 steps each and down with our gold medals on the Great Wall of China. Uh, you don't get any better than that. No. It was one of the best things. Did they do it? Yeah, they did it. Oh, they did it. They carried us all the way to the top. We drank beers on top, come down. How many people, how many were there? It was four guys in wheelchairs had to go 400 steps each, so it's 1,600 steps. These 50 bucks. 50 bucks. That was stoked. I'd do it for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you do it just because you like me. <laughs> um, that was amazing. However, in an individual sport, when I won gold, I celebrated with my family. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's, that's it's very nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. And what athlete gets the best of both worlds? Not Manny. I'm so lucky that I've had that opportunity, to be honest. And, um, you know, sport is the the best part about sport is not winning medals and grand slams. For me, when I hated myself, I went to a tennis tournament. The Thaguna Open, it was called, outside of Albury. Haven't been back since, but I'm sure you're a big hit in Thaguna. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We have plenty of listeners here. Thaguna, yeah. yeah. And I got there, I saw a guy in a wheelchair, it's a guy in a car. He had kids and a wife. He got out of the car, he's in a wheelchair. I was like, fuck, you can drive a car in a wheelchair? Mm. Didn't know that. 
kissed his wife. Oh my God, is, this, is that his, is, he's had a missus? Saw his kids. Does he fuck? He's had kids. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm telling you. I didn't know he could do that shit, man. I'm telling you. The best part about sport for all of us is the social aspect of it. 100%. It's not winning. I miss that so miss much even myself. It's like that. I don't miss competing. I don't really miss like going in there on game day, but I miss the locker room. I miss, you know, my teammates and I miss put you. There's something you can have a personality, but when you're pushing yourself and you're working hard with someone for a common goal or yeah. whether that be your trainer or, or your teammates, so that's the stuff you can't really buy. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm not far off, you know, I don't know how many more years I've got left of playing sport because I do so many other things and things like that. But uh, that, that's something that I'll definitely miss that social element of it because it's, you know, we're lucky to have it, aren't we, man? And even though it doesn't, you might have it for less years than something yeah. else. Look back at other people who haven't had that. And I think we've been in a privileged position where it's been our job to hang out with your mates and be a dickhead. 100%. And perform as well. So You learn so much from it. And you learn, I think, again, a part of probably the basketball um, team that you played in. I know there's been other teams, but my favourite thing about sport and teams in general that I've reflected on now post doing it is the fact that like you meet so many people that you would never have hung out with if you yeah. didn't play sport. And like there's guys there that fucking play PlayStation all day, yeah. but then they come to the club, they're footy. There's guys that do other things. There's so many just different walks of life from all around countries that just come in and you make friends with people you never thought you would. And you learn, right? You learn about cultures and personalities and how to be a better person, sometimes how to be a worse person. Yeah. Like, But it's all about that. It's about evolving and, and changing and things like that. And, um, and how, how did you go when you left footy? I know... It's hard sometimes. Mm. How, how did you handle that? Like, do you stay in touch with the boys? or? Oh, definitely. I think it's one of those things we chatted about earlier. Like, there's always guys that you're going to stay in touch with. I'd try and stay in touch with everyone if I could. Yeah, it's hard. But I think there's a massive thing, and Mick Moldas actually told me this once, and it's like you can only ever have five people in your life. So by that I mean, like, obviously there's a lot of people, yeah, but yeah. five people that are important to you. Your go-tos. Your go-tos. So I think as soon as I knew that, I identified like, I'm not dropping off anyone here, but like you got to put all your energy into those five and that might change a little bit, but they're probably your surgeons, you know, like your, your yeah. missus and your family and these sort of people. Where am I on that list for you? You're six. Okay, yeah, yeah cool. so. Hey, after this, yeah. <laughs> see how many views it gets. You, uh, could, yeah. you could be full. Okay, good. Yeah, I'll drop mum and dad off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it could be impressive. So I think that that's a big thing. But yeah, like I said, when I left, I was like, I. I was a bit like yourself in terms of I love doing a million things. I can't do one. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing for me playing footy. I was like, fuck, I can't just do footy and that's it. I had to do podcast, footy, invest in this guy's business that, you know, and, and do this and do that. Like I get really scared when I'm not doing enough yeah. um, and I feel like really agitated. I think that also like people say, man, you do so much stuff to me, but I need that because I'm not naming names, but we all know athletes in, in sports. A who, lot, man. Who retire and lose it because I've got a pocket full of money, yep. no mates and no life experience, right? That is a hard burden for them to, to have. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it keeps me – when I play tennis, I love it because I'm happy to be there because I'm doing other shit, right? Like I enjoy it. If I lived and breathed tennis, I wouldn't win. I wouldn't enjoy it. I'd be retired. It's because I have a beautiful partner, Chantel, great mates, you know, work, things like the podcast, things like that, that, that keep me fresh. And, yeah. Um, it's important. I think it's important that it's you hear it all your whole life. Work life balance, real tooly thing. Like you sound like a dick saying it, but it's true. It's so because true because it makes you work better. So true because you have that balance. And people like see me at a festival and I might have heaps of beers. Like fuck, it's all you know, it's off his head, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah, because you gotta, need, you gotta relax. I needed that, bro. Yeah, you need to relax. Do you do that? Yeah. I know you're a lawyer or an accountant, but do you like doing accountancy every day? 
Of course not. Yeah. And the other one is people go to me, do you want to have here to tennis on the weekend? I was like, I will, as long as you do my contract law for me. Yeah. And they go, why would I do that? Yeah. And I go, I love tennis, but that's my job, right? I need to have a break as well. And I think that's why I enjoy it still because I am firm on that kind of stuff. You know, I go to Splendor, I, I have a good time and it keeps you not in the right times because then I enjoy it when I get back, I work my ass off and, you know, try and win tennis tournaments. I love it, man. And you do that better than anyone. Your balance is, is incredible and it's something that I aspire to have. And um, I think you've got like 63 businesses now, which we'll touch on shortly, but it's um it's been extremely impressive. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Tennis question. I've never chatted to a tennis player before, and again, I touched on it a bit earlier in terms of like match point situations and these sort of shit, man. Like, it, it's honestly makes me sweat thinking about <laughs> it. Like, when I'm watching tennis, I'm just like, fucking hell, like, what's going on here? I don't think that that's and I'll hopefully your opinion on this, but is it does it come to skill there, or is it my, is it all mindset? It is very much mindset. I would say eighty twenty. Do you know who wins any sporting match? Look at Dusty Martin in the grand final. Yeah, it's not the person that plays the best. It's the person that thinks the clearest. We like can that. all we mm. can all play, right? You like that? That's it's got true me a little though. bit. When, hey. du- when Dusty's on the boundary in the granny... He knows what he wants. He threw a dummy. No one thought he was going to. Clear thought. Went round, snapped it. Yeah. To think that through that in that moment... Well, even to do a snap from the boundary in the grand final, you know, I'd be so scared that I'd get subbed off. He's like, got clarity of thought. Right? Yeah. He knows what he's doing. And this takes a long time to, to learn. And I work with a guy called Ben Crow, who I know you get a big stiffy for. He's a beautiful man. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And he's, he's, been, <laughs> he's been on the podcast. I've listened. Crow's a legend, right? And I, um, I lost the... Biggest match of my life. I was trying to win the Grand Slam, right? Pre, is this the first one? Or? The US Open in 2019. I won every slam. Okay. Yes. I got to the US Open. I was going to win the slam, right? And I was telling myself this. I need, to, I need to win this, right? Because I need to justify myself as a disabled athlete. I need to win every slam to be compared to Ash Barty, say, winning one slam. I need to win Australian of the Year so I can influence my community and help people with disability. I can do all this shit, right? What do you think I was thinking about when I was playing? That. Fucking that. Yeah. And guess what? I lost 6-1, to a guy I haven't lost to in three years. Why? And I thought, you know, I know Ben talks about the mindsets and things like that. And 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 I thought that I, when I, I'm a public speaker, I'm, I could not give a shit about my disability. I'm so proud being disabled. I love it. If I could do stem cell research and walk, it could not pay me enough. You could pay me $10 million, I wouldn't do it, right? Because the Dylan in a wheelchair is a much better version of any other Dylan that I could have been. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. So I wouldn't do it, change it, right? I, that's all I talk about. And then I get on the tennis court. What was I thinking? I got to justify myself disability. Mm. I was like, holy shit, I never made the connection between the two. Right? And in those moments of pressure, of performance, you need your mind to be clear on what you're doing, not all that stuff, right? 
And the reason that was hard for me is I had an expectation to win, right? What I've learned, I'm talking about, you can have a goal to win, but you, you can't have an expectation. You have an expectation just to be you. And if you lose, well, then you are you. What can you do? Mm. And now, you know what? I don't think about winning Australian of the Year. I don't think about winning the Grand Slams. I think about having fun. Having doing fun your out thing. There, doing my thing because I don't know how long I'm going to be doing it for. And guess what? I played the Australian Open five months later and I fucking had the best tournament I've ever played. Played on Rod Laver. When I played my first Australian Open, 2014, five people were there watching me. Five. Four of them, my family. One random. Five people. That year, 2020, I was open. There was a, uh, 12,000 people at Rod Laver. A million people watched it live on Channel 9. Wow. It outrated the Big Bash semi-final. A wheelchair tennis match. That's sick, bro. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And there yeah. was 500 kids with disabilities there. Right? So cool. Like, and and I know I'm the lucky one who gets that. I want that to permeate down to other yeah. athletes with a disability. But that was all just based on the fact that it is so mindset, right? Especially tennis. What sport do you stand out there for three hours by yourself? Having a breakdown. It's Golf it's might be close. You can see how much they're like, you know, you're all in your head. Golf might be close, but they've got a caddy, yeah? Yeah. You you become a fucking crazy person out there. And you can see it. Like, oh. I tell you I love tennis because you'll be watching someone pumping someone and you go, oh, here it is. They are about to lose it. And guess what? They lose and, it. And you're yeah. like, whoa, tennis. It's just like this crazy game that you have so much time and so many thoughts. So... Everyone can play, not everybody can think. Yeah. Everybody goes to the gym, no one sees a psychologist. I say that I'm seeing my mindset coach, Ben Crow, he goes, people go, you're right, what's wrong? Yeah. And I say this to my mates who are struggling in their relationships, at work, whatever, go see someone. There's no stigma. Are you going to the gym to do bicep kills? Yes. Have you ever seen a psychologist? Why the fuck would I do that? What's wrong with you? It's not the same thing. Do you know who sees a psychologist? Rafael Nadal, not bad at tennis. Yeah. Roger Federer, he's pretty good too. Has a psycho like. Tiger Woods, work with Ben Crow. They're all pretty good sport. Serena Williams, so like there's no shame in it, but we as individuals think there is a stigma about talking about that mental health side of it. So, oh, yeah. so true, man. I'm just pretty sorry. I was really involved in that. But um, it was crazy because this morning before you came in, I, you know, being in, an, in a sporting environment for so long, we had psychologists on hand. So, you know, if anything was ever wrong, yeah. you go and talk to them and all this sort of thing. Did you utilise it though? I did, but not to the full potential uh, I should you, have you at the time. Them, you don't tell them everything sometimes. No, you don't. Yeah, because you, you always think, fuck, are they going to go tell the coaches or something exactly, like that. Yeah. But it was funny this morning because I was like, you know what, fuck, I need to go and speak to someone. Like I need to do, go and speak to someone, just get some thoughts out and do some things because I always say on the show, you know, I preach all this shit, but like if I'm not doing it myself, that makes me fucking, you know, like, I'm just talking shit, really. Yep. And I called a hotline that we've got through the AFLPA where you can basically go and see someone. It's amazing access to, to get in touch. And I spoke to um, the guy on the phone. He was awesome. And he's like, you know, uh, what's wrong? And I was like, mate, actually, nothing's wrong. Like, I'm actually totally fine. But, like, I just don't want, like, something to happen. Then I get to a stage where it's like, shit, I just want to, like, keep checking in to make sure that I'm sweet. But, like, I'm totally fine but I want to just keep going because I love learning about how I can just get stronger get and stronger. You get, mate, you're just getting better. Yeah. I think growth is one of the things that, so I don't write goals up on the board. You know, some people write all their goals up and they go do it. I don't do that. I just kind of think of something and I, I call it a get shit done attitude. I'm like, hey, I want to do some acting after I finish tennis, which I, I love do. this, yeah. Right? So I'm going to write a script and try and do some acting. You will, bro. There's no doubt about it. I, yeah. There you go. I've got no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just telling you now. Yeah. We might look back and go, remember when you said that? Yeah. But that's it. But that is about growth. It's about yeah. doing things and getting better. And mindset and mental health and improvement is about effort 
It's hard. It's hard harder than physical. It's anything harder than science physical. Because you've got to you've got to air all your bullshit. It's a and brain is a muscle. No one likes to air their bullshit, right? Everyone keeps it internal. But as soon as you air it, you feel better. Like I did. Remember when? I, yeah. It's going back to me as a kid. I felt better. I could grow and I could develop strategies to feel better. And if you think I'm that person who could benefit, it's free as well. You go to your doctor, you get yeah. a mental health plan. It's free. If you hate it, go. Hey, deal and deal. That was bullshit. What you said. Fair enough. Well, I have a rule. You try everything twice. Yep. That's my everything. Hey. Everything. That's my boy. (laughs) Exactly. Um, On that as well, mate, this is something that I really want to know. Obviously, we see the man you got today. You're so powerful in everything you do. There's no, um, there's no way of saying this, but you must have a good team around you. I'm saying, who are your people, I suppose, that have got you to where you are now and who are like your mentors? Is there someone that's really helped you become that person yeah i think it's it started with my um my family so my brother zach and it's probably one of the stories that goes around the most but we used to always fight over the tv remote as kids and we had foxtel very lucky and he used to always fight over it and he'd always run into the hallway a lot faster than i could and get the the fucking control bastard and then he would watch whatever he wanted and then he'd go to the bathroom and i'd crawl over and i'd pick it up and be like shit yeah (laughs) and then after a while smart guy whenever he got up to go to the bathroom remember he's like Six four now, so he was nine. I was like six. He'd get up, get the control, put it on top of the fridge where I couldn't reach it. <laughs> Jerk, yeah. Yes. Come back, pick it up. He wouldn't even look at me. Like just act like nothing had happened. I was like, absolute oh. wanker. Best thing he ever did, right? It would have been so easy for Zach to go. I feel sorry for my poor yeah. sale brother Dylan. I'm going to wrap him in cotton wool and give him whatever he wants. And a lot of people, kids, especially kids with disability, are wrapped in cotton wool for that reason because they are different. Like I see little kids and I go, hello, what's your name? Oh, my name's Steph. Steph, what's your disability? The mum goes, she hasn't got a disability. She's, and I'm like, well, she's in a wheelchair. So don't tell her she hasn't got a disability mm. because then she's going to be embarrassed about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Embrace. Or let her speak. I'm like, what's your name? And they go, her name's Steph. I go, what's your name? Her name's Steph. What's your name? Steph. It's like, let your kid be your kid, right? So my brother and my family start Huge. the biggest thing ever. I think in terms of my media career, I remember, you know, we, we talked about, putting yourself out there. I just was at a, um, he tells the story much better than I do, but I was at a, like some, you know, lunch thing because I'd won gold and I was in a suit and I saw this guy who I was like, oh, he's a good looking unit. I remember him off TV, Hamish McLaughlin. Went up and I said, Hamish, I want to get a job on TV. What do I do? And he wrote down his number and we just stayed in touch and he got me, uh, gave me some, just some pretty simple stuff. Started playing tennis actually. He worked for Seven Sport got me a chance and we've commentated together for the first time. Bang, there you go. And I think it's, um, you know, I I think there, there are people that really love having like, that is my mentor. I just like asking questions of whoever. Yeah. I'm not like, that's my guy, that's my my, my, uh, my coach, my trainer, my, my whatever. Uh, I think that it's just about asking everybody everything if you want, mm. you know what I mean? And if they don't want to speak to you, they'll, just, they'll burn you. Who cares, you know? And I think the biggest thing as well, as you said, team-wise, I've got, you know, the best uh, team around. I've got a great coach, my doubles partner, Heath, my beautiful partner, Chantel, been together two years and the luckiest guy in the world. She's a sexologist, a doctor of sex. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I don't know that. That's yeah, very impressive. Uh, she, she's a doctor of sex. So the first time I was with her, I, I describe it as having, playing, having a tennis lesson off Roger Federer because she's the Roger Federer. Of, that's her. She's the master. Yes. Yeah? Uh, so I was pretty nervous, but luckily that's she, performance anxiety. Luckily, she'd never had sex with someone in a wheelchair, so it was fifteen all. Okay. <laughs> um, 
And she's the best person I've ever met. I love her so much. I've got a great manager, Mark, Georgie, who runs my foundation but also helps me out personally. You know, mates, it's a big team, but it's also a small team when it has to be. Um, You know, I see tennis players walk around with 15 people in their entourage and they lose because there's so many distractions. So it's about having a big team around you but also educating them about what you need when you need it. The example of my my dad, he's a legend, right? (laughs) His name's Martin. He'll listen to this. For sure, right? But he gets so nervous when I play. I hit a fault and he goes like this. <laughs> and I hear it. And I have to go shut up, right? And he's like this. He's like a roller. He was like a roller coaster, right? Up and down. Up. He's so, I love him. So I, for years I told him about, I need you to stay level. Yeah. I hit the best shot in the world. Two claps. Good boy. If I hit the worst shot in the world, two claps. Good boy. Because that anxiety comes on Triple me. Triple C-U, yeah, yeah. So I actually was talking to Crowley about this and he's and, and my Chantel recommended, write him a letter. So I wrote him a letter. Three years I went to, I wrote him a letter about what it means. I'm not having to go at you. I love you. I want the support, but just how it affects me. And he's like, ah, oh, I get it now. And now you should see him. Sits there. He's like a security guard. Doesn't, doesn't move. Arms crossed. <laughs> just fucking not He's so hot, shit. man. It would just be beating out of me, his chest. It makes me laugh now, yeah. which I like because I put a smile on my face. I see him just, about to die. Yeah. My mum, love her, Reese, she always says, bad luck, TD, when I hit a bad shot. And I used to go, it's not fucking bad luck, it's a bad shot. Yeah. Fuck you, fuck, fuck. And then I get angry. <laughs> so now I said, mum, don't say bad luck because I know it's not bad luck. It's just a bad shot, which is okay. We move on. You're allowed to hit it. Yeah. So now she doesn't say bad luck. It's crazy how crazy we are. We're all like that. And you'll, you know, you, you'll be playing great footy, then Mick Moldas says something, you're like, what the hell? Why didn't Mick Moldas notice these 27 good things I did? And then all of a sudden you can't play anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. such an interesting, you know, dynamic, isn't it? Oh, God. I don't want to pretend I know it because I still, I still get rattled by a few of those things. They wake me up at night. <laughs> um, like people would see you now as well and what you've done and think, you know, you've, you've, you're on radio, you're all these places, you're doing everything. I want to ask you this. Do you get much hate? I mean, I did host the footy show for five weeks. Yeah, so okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was that way. It went, that went well. <laughs> Got paid though. That's yeah, nice. that's good. Um, look, it is hard when you're in the limelight, right? Because you read that shit. Yes. Right? I, the first comment on this, right? You're going to put up that I'm the guest and someone's going to write, oh, it's going to be a really good podcast, right? I'll bet you 20 bucks. Yeah, okay. Now they're going to write it and everyone's going to like it, right? That doesn't affect me at all because I've heard all that shit before. Oh, don't drink and drive. Uh-huh. Oh, have you got a license? Uh-huh. You know, all that kind of shit. But I think the hardest part is when you're trying to do good and you read things that are negative. It was really hard for me originally, right? Yeah. Do you know the best thing about hosting the footy show was for me? I, got, I was lucky. I didn't get as much hate as the other people up there, but I got a lot of hate. And guess what? I didn't give a fuck. It made me realise they're just nameless faces with – a picture of a car as their display pick. Yeah. Who wrote, who wrote Cribble Jokes, right? Some of them are pretty funny. Uh, my favourite one was, uh, what is old mate wheelie no legs doing hosting the footy show? Dude can't kick. And I was like, got legs, just don't work. Um, and and they, but the hard part about that is, is my mum yeah. reads that and goes, have you seen my dad? I go, don't worry about that. But I will say this, two things. When I needed friends as a kid, I needed everybody. No, I felt no one liked me. So I was obsessed with everybody liking me. I needed to do that, hustle it to get people to like me. But then it became like, oh, well, they have to like me because otherwise I'm going to get left out and get bullied and blah, blah, blah. So that internal complex was hard for me when I started working in the media. Now I am lucky. I was on Triple J Breakfast, the most ruthless text line, and I got nothing, right? I'm, very, I'm not mm. – but, you know, I, the more and more self you put out there is – 
you do get stuff. The, the, the big one for me is like at the US Open when I, I call, so the US Open went ahead with the tennis yep. and they put on the press release, the press conference, blah, blah, blah. And I was waiting for the wheelchairs, not mentioned. That's weird. Looked at the press release, not, no mention of wheelchair. They cancelled it without asking us, without telling us, without consultation, and they weren't going to tell us. Just limbo, now, yeah. I was devastated. That's bigger than tennis for me. Mm. Remember that job interview I told you about? Yeah. That's Feels, that. Yeah. They made the decision, not me. When I go to a bar and they say, no, nah, I've got stairs, you're a fire hazard, you can't fucking come in. They <laughs> made that decision, not me. That's not fair. It made me sad. That's why I called it out. Every man, 95% of them are good, but there's so many people, oh, fuck this wanker, all about himself, wants to play tennis. I couldn't give a shit about that. It was, it was about, I had to do that to represent my community. I remember sitting on the toilet where I do my best work going, I don't want to write these tweets because I'm going to get destroyed. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it mm. for what I stand for. Fucking nice. Right? And then I did. And you know what? There are people that aren't going to like you and they might see one ANZ ad on TV and you interviewed once and go, that guy's a flog. Yeah. Guess what? They, you're entitled to your opinion and I can't change that. I know that I... I'm always trying to be a good person and people that know me personally hopefully think so too. That's all I can control, right? And I think we all, you know when you're at, people listening right now, you're at work, right? And everyone loves you but that one person says something negative, what yeah, do you think about? That, yeah, everybody that you. loves you or the one person that calls you a cripple or a spastic mm. in my case. I realise there's 10,000 other legends that are worth, you know, your time and things like that and, and I'm lucky that I've come to terms with it. There are a lot of athletes, musicians, whatever, who don't. Mm. And it's hard. And you agree. Oh, that's... The more it, and more you get more publicity, bro, the more people come in, don't they? Oh, mate, that's the thing now. I think, like, when I first started, it was obviously all positive stuff. But now that the show's growing and I'm, you know, I'm putting myself out there being like, no, nah, this is my thing, this is my calling, so I want to do. You obviously see people comment stuff that's, that's not, like, positive and they're obviously not going to like you. I take that back probably to two things. So, obviously, I go, those people don't know me. But I think another massive one that only really hit me like middle of last year and I'd been told this early days in my podcast with Rex Hunt and I think you'd love this. And he goes, if you don't have critics, you don't have anything because if you're not, if you don't have people that don't agree with you or don't like what you're doing, you're not hitting a per, per, like enough people to even yep. get it back. So I think in a funny way, now if I do see something that, that I'm like, well, fuck, that's good. Yep. Like it's actually take it as a compliment. And the biggest thing I say to people, right, like if you're listening – if you think I'm a flog and you see me out, come up and say day and see how I go. <laughs> and guess what? If I'm a flog, then sign yeah. the contract that that guy's a flog. Yeah. But I pride myself on being, always saying day, being a good bloke, trying to be a good bloke. You no, know what you I mean? do that, man. And so, you know, if I burn you twice, then write me off for sure. But also, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. And I remember I was at Prince. Remember Prince? I oh, do. Oh, I love Prince. Oh, super It's a restaurant now, I think. Yeah, isn't it? it used to be a club. And I saw a bunch of footy players, AFL players from a footy club. This guy came up to me and goes, can I say hi to those guys? And I said, go for it, man. I was with them. They fucking burned this fan. Like, gave him nothing. Yeah. Broke my heart. This kid was like, you're my hero. And not even like a g'day, just fucking told him to fuck off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I never want to do that. I don't want to be that person. It's annoying sometimes when I'm having dinner with Chantel and someone comes up and stays for 10 minutes and I'm like, all right, mate, good to see you. See you later. Yeah. But the, I am who I am because of everybody, not me. Mm. I could be playing tennis and no one watching. It's because people have bought into my story. So that's part of it and the critics is part of it and people calling you a vlog is part of it. 
go nuts because, you know, I can't control that. All I can control is what I do and how I, you know, the person that I am. And I call that, Corey does as well, their, their persona of Dylan. Yeah. They don't know the person yeah. as such individually, which is you know, going exactly with those, good. Going with those little things, they get me going a bit. But even that's for oh. people that aren't in business or in, you know, the level that you're on now, people just in life, like, when you know young kids listening to this people teenagers adults at work that's just it's so relatable to any of that shit yep. i need you to flex on me yep. you've done a lot you've met a lot of people talk me through your top three fave peeps you met okay number one is we very very lightly touched on it before but the proudest i've ever been of myself was at meredith music festival i had played tennis for 24 hours in a row non-stop the day before i broke the world record i raised two hundred thousand dollars for my foundation had a little sleep and then I went straight to Meredith because I knew that the Wu-Tang Clan was playing Ghostface Killer in particular. Now, we got there, I had a couple and he, I'm 50 metres in from the mosque and he goes, we need someone to come up and spit the Method Man verse of Protect Your Neck, my favourite song, the last song I listen to of every time I play. And I was like, me. Anyway, crowd surfed, he picked me after, he didn't want it because he thought I was going to fuck it up. And then he stands over you, he's like 6'5", huge, Ghostface Killer's massive. He's like, are you going to fuck this up? Are you going to embarrass yourself? And I was like, bro, <laughs> do you want me to do all seven verses? That's what I said. Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. But I was call like, him, I'm on right now. Yeah. And he goes, cool. Anyway, it was like watching a car crash because he, he, it's my bit and the crowd is like silent. Who's this guy? No one knew who I was then. As well. yeah. Who's this guy in a wheelchair? You know, it was like, it was like slow-mo. And all my mates are going to my brother. What's this fucking, what is he? Do? I know he loves attention. What is he doing? Zach's like, don't you worry. He's got it. And then it was like, he threw it to me and it's like, it's the method man for short, Mr. Meth, move it on your left. Ha! And then launched into it. And the crowd went, I'm just, it was, I got good. It was a bit. Yeah. Because I'm expected to win tennis tournaments, correct? Expected to play basketball well. It's my job. Am I a rapper? No. So to not, not yet. Ch- to not choke with your favorite rap group and rap. Yeah, it's huge. Best thing ever. Huge. And, and then it got to be a better a friend of ours, a uh, friend of mine, Lozzie Hughes, worked at a promotion company and 18 months later, I stayed in touch with them and 18 months later, the Wu-Tang Clan couldn't get back into Australia because Ghostface, Inspector Deck and a couple others had gun charges from like 92. So they got blocked. So I didn't think this played a role at all, but I wrote a letter to the Department of Immigration. I was like, hi, it's Dylan Alcott, OAM, wheelchair tennis player, you know. When I was in hospital, um, Wu-Tang got me through, like mayonnaise all over it. And guess what? The next day they got in. Oh my God. So the RZA, the head of Wu-Tang called and was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. And I was that like, is the best story, man, bro. ever. So then at Rod Laver, I rap with Wu-Tang again. <laughs> the same verse. That's pretty cool. And Wu-Tang's like my favourite band. I listen to, it's the last song I listen to every time I play tennis. You've written a, the letter though. Yeah, That's unbelievable. The letter. the letter was the most, had so much GST on it by me. That's sick. Anyway, I reckon it played no role, but they it just the next day they got in. So they were like our saviour, the Little cute white guy in a wheelchair. I call myself young disabled bastard. Um, so that's one. Yep. Uh, you, 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 you produced a Sam showing time because I got on stage. Uh, it sounds like a bit of a uh, name drop, but I met Calvin Harris, who was a good bloke. And I sounds like it. had a little peck uh, of Kesha. Oh. Yeah. So maybe Kesha. That's okay. Um, I've very strangely was in Argentina when I was 14 years old and, uh, I was playing tennis back then a little bit as a junior and I came out of an elevator and there was like a red velvet rope and it was like, it's kind of weird and uh, I don't li- I don't like lining up or, you know, very lucky in a wheelchair, kind of circumnavigate anything. I was like, what's this doing here? So I went under the rope and I ran into the foot of 
Diego Maradona. Diego Maradona. The t- wow. That was the dial- I ran into his ankle pretty hard. Like what did he say? He just turned around and smiled, and I was like, "That's got to be bad luck." I was four and I freaked out. Freaked the out. The Dalai Lama. Wow. Yeah, but maybe he blessed me because I think my he life did, bro. Got good up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's was pretty a, cool. That's pretty cool. I had, like, I had dinner with Joe Biden. That's very cool, uh, man. I think, yeah, so I've been lucky to meet some pretty cool people, but I'd rather have a Palmer with my mates. Yeah. Well, I'm, that, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not frothing for that. I'm, 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 I'm very lucky that I've, uh, you know, I've done some crazy, like beating Calvin Harris private, private jet, thanks to my mate Tyson, and that all kinds of stupid shit that I never thought happened. So, yeah, I've lived a pretty cool life, luckily. I, I don't take for granted. There's plenty more to come, I'm sure. Um, let's talk about what's going on off the court and out of the media, I suppose, for, for yourself. Um, we've got Get Skilled, which is a company that I think you've started with your family. Yeah, so I've got two companies that I founded. One of them is called Get Skilled Access, which Get Skilled is Access. Um, a consulting company where we work with governments and corporates to help them better understand. And that's with your brother, isn't it? Yeah, so my yeah. brother and my dad, and we've got some business partners as well. Um, and um, what we do is we educate governments and corporates to better understand people with disabilities, products and services, but also get them ready to employ people with disabilities. Sure. So say a company, um, won't name one, but say a big company needs some advice on what to do, yeah. how to like make it more accessible or Correct. something like that. You'd come in and give it a bit of an audit and or something like Correct. that. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. we do like um, disability inclusion plans, auditing, access consulting, training, all kinds of stuff. We make educational pieces and every one of our associates has a disability. Mm. So... I don't know oh, what it's cool. like to so employ. I don't, we employ, yeah. yeah. So we've got a team of like 30 associates with all different disabilities. I don't know what it's like to be blind, so I'm not going to tell you. Someone who is yeah, blind. Nice. The example that we give is we went to Coles um, with our team and we went with the executive team at Coles, right? And we said, here's a shopping that we put them in a wheelchair, made them vision impaired, uh, made them deaf, uh, made them on a, a mobility scooter. Put so, them, so you put yeah, like you blind. Simulated what it was like. Yeah. To have 2% visions, everything. And we gave, them a, we gave them a shopping list and said, go buy food for your family. And they go, we can't, our store's not accessible. I said, well, it's not my store, is it? Wow. So as a result, we created training that trained all 200,000 of their staff. Because people, when I go to the supermarket, they used to run away because they're scared they're going to offend me rather than come help. Come help, yeah. So it's about normalising and education, which is really cool. It's going well. And the other company is I've got a um, ready-made meal service called Able Foods, mm-hmm. which is fresh not frozen food for people with a disability on the ndis uh you know there is so much crap food out there and things like that it's it's 80 percent of it is funded by the government as well yep. so it's only three no more than three bucks a meal and um we're actually now in stores we've got baked beans in stores at coles as well launching right now so um we're always trying to be accessible also we only hire people with disabilities at able foods too mm-hmm. but you know how baked beans are in cans yes people can't open cans with disabilities with their hands yeah how do you do so, it? So we're the first baked bean in a microwavable rip pouch. So we're going to do a whole bunch of different products where we're going to educate other brands to be more accessible. And it's also a point of difference, which is pretty cool. That's super cool, man. Very, very cool. Um, Dylan Orcott Foundation, talk us through this. And I suppose we touched on it a little bit earlier when it came to the employment and whatnot. What's, what's this about and how did it come about? Yeah, so it's about... Um, it's set up to help young Australians with disabilities who feel marginalised because of their disabilities, like I did, help them fulfil their potential and achieve their dreams in whatever they want to do. When I started playing sport, my played my brother was the uh, played at the East Brighton Vampires, right? Uh, he was under nines, and I was the assistant manager because I couldn't play. And then I, I was like, "Hey, I want to start playing tennis." If Zach played footy, he got a hundred dollar pair of footy boots. Mm. 
if I needed to play tennis, I needed a $10,000 wheelchair Fuck. just to even try it. And guess what? If you can't afford it, you don't get to do it. Yeah. To go to university for a lot of people with disabilities is hard because they need extra support. They can't afford it, so they don't go. So what we're doing is eliminating those barriers for young Aussies with disabilities to achieve what they wanted. We've already put people through university. Uh, we've given wheelchairs and sport equipment to come Paralympians. A young kid called Paddy, Paddy's pickup, he's from Canberra. He's got severe autism, but he loves doing the laundry, right? But he can't get a job. So we funded his startup whereby he goes around all the cafes in the city, picks up all their washing, does it, and then drops it home, right? Now he's employed. He makes money out of that. It's all about figuring out ways so people can thrive in whatever way they can. So it's probably the thing I'm most proud of, man, is the work we do there. To We've raised, you know, near 750 grand, I think, over a couple of years through Ability Fest, donated so many things to young Aussies with disabilities. So I'm looking forward to doing more and more of that, especially once I finish tennis. Oh, hugely rewarding, man. You've done so much and it's only the beginning of it, I suppose. I've, I've Even today, I felt like I was pretty aware of things, but I've just there's so many other things we can just keep educating ourselves on for the awareness of things. Like I had no idea about the supermarket yeah. like how hard that would be to, to do that and yeah. I suppose just putting those things out there with all these things is, is a massive influence exactly and just talk like even talking about this you like I never thought about that you know what yeah. I mean or like you know th- when you walk into any store or whatever it is it's about educating and understanding so you can make it more accessible but also help you know when people need it which is cool I don't want to embarrass you there's a few more you've got um your pot uh, your book able yep um, all good bookstores, get yeah, into that. Check it um, out. Plenty more in that that we, we haven't touched on today, so you make sure you get that. And then Listenable or Listenable yep. podcast. Listenable. I, I listened to um, an episode uh, yesterday, actually. It was a start first episode that you were with, with Angus O'Loughlin. Great host. He's, yeah, he's, he's a talent. He's you both host. got great chemistry together. Yeah. I love listening to you too. Um, but something that is incredible, like you're fucking huge. Like your wingspan is 190. Yeah, so I'm so you're supposed to be as tall as your arm span, yeah. Yeah. So my brother's about six three, and my arm span is six four, uh, and I've been going to the I've been, have been going to the gym a bit, so I've actually got a bit bit bigger, which is cool. And uh, but I'm lucky, like for some reason when I push, a lot of people in wheelchairs look fucked up weird because their arms so long, their legs small. I used to be morbidly obese as a kid, best thing ever, because yeah. my legs were so fat. Over time, they're shrinking. But they kind they're sort of, of fitting with the fitting regime. a little bit, yeah. which is all right. Um, also, yeah, for some reason, I think it's all about chair setup. Hey, look, but um, yeah, I've I've got and I've got massive hands, long long levers, big hands, average size dick. But that's okay. That happens. Um, but no, it's a great podcast. Talk us through that quickly. What's that about? Who's in it? What so are you doing? We profile the lives of people living with a disability in a different lens, in a really funny, emotional, relatable, authentic way. Not preaching, but just getting people to tell their story. You know, um, how do you t- like? Do you turn the lights on at home when you're blind? I don't know. Do you? I wouldn't think you would. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Not interesting sure. question, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, like, if you're an amputee, do you have sex with your legs on or off? It's very interesting. Hey, I don't know these questions, but I'm like, I want to, maybe we want to find this stuff out. Yeah. So our guests are amazing. And they're so open to just so talk open. about, yeah. I don't know. The, 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 one of the most interesting episodes is a, a girl called Bruce Stevenson. She's got autism. Autism is so hard to describe. She describes what it's like. It's, it's one of the most amazing episodes. The, the big thing that she said is we all talk in cliches and she can't process. For example, she said, when my mom says it's raining cats and dogs, I hide under a table because that scares me. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. I said, give me a bell when you're downstairs. She goes, how are you going to give me a bell if you're upstairs? As in, 
an actual yes, bell. Yes, 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 yes. And I was like, oh, that's so true. I didn't think of that. So you can see how their world is hard to live when we don't understand it. So it's not about them not being wanting to be accessible. It's us not being accessible to people. It's eye-opening. So it's called Listen Able. Uh, also, one of, the, one of the worst moments of last year was when the podcast award nominees got, came out and Listen Able missed out on a nomination. Dylan Friends got nominated, I saw. Yeah, that's, that's not good. That's but not I, we good. didn't win, so okay, well, well, next year, 2021 is a show for both, so I think, I, I for think us you, to both take the... You should be giving me two leads rather than the opposite. No, 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 yeah. not, so, not so much. I'm learning a lot off you. Mate, um, it's been absolutely true. It's been absolutely incredible. One thing I do want to know, though, because I know we touched on it earlier, when you say things, things happen... Dylan Orcott in the next period of time, what's next for you? It looks like you said you've, you've got tennis, obviously, for the forthcoming future. What do you see? What are your plans? What's next? Where can we see you soon? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of people going through worse things than I am at the moment and love to everyone who might have lost their job or whatever. But hopefully the, the, the Paralympic Games goes ahead this year. Mm. That's obviously the big holy grail for me. So hopefully coronavirus aside, we can get to Tokyo and things like that. And then there's lots of things I want to do. You know, I have a as I said, a bit of acting and things like that. The work with the businesses. I'm on hit, hit uh, radio. It's like Fox FM, Today FM, B105, wherever you are around the country, which is cool. I love working with Angus. I've got a beautiful partner, Chantel. Uh, you know, we've been together two years and have a family and things like that one day. There's lots of different stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I, th- I think sometimes the most important thing you can say to yourself is just keep being you. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm, I have little ideas and things like that come into my head and I'm just going to keep doing them because, you know, I'm lucky to be alive, brother. I was pretty crook as a kid and I live the best life of anybody that I've ever li- met. I live a better life than anyone in this room listening right now and I'm lucky to be doing that. I'm so lucky. And I get out of bed every day thinking like that and, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't sit on the couch and eat Uber Eats sometimes and do nothing. I do that as well. But, you know, I really enjoy life and I'm going to keep trying to do that in every way that I can and, and also have a bit more me time, you know. Uh, mm. I think I after the Paralympics, deserve a bit of time off. You can catch me at the Bergheim. Yeah, okay. Um, but I, 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 you know, I, I'm i just so, as I said, I'm just so humbled to the support that I get. You know, I, I don't know how it's happened because not many athletes, if any athletes with a disability, have been lucky enough to have cut through. I'm the lucky one and I just want to keep putting myself out there. So other people, you know, especially in things like dating and that, the best thing in my life is my relationship all of us. Yeah, for everyone. That's that's a... Imagine if you've never been on a date before because everyone looks at you different. That's bullshit. So keep smacking down those barriers so people can be the people that they want to be. Man, you're killing it. You are doing that. It's so impressive. I'm so blessed to have you in the show. You are a very good broadcaster, my brother. No, nah, man. What about Dylan? Dill one day? Like like talk back radio. Get that proper oh, cash. I don't know if Angus would be happy with that, but maybe I can come True. Like I do love Angus. on the side. What about... The Dill Sandwich, <laughs> Dill Angus and Dill. Yeah, oh, man, thanks so much again. I can't believe it. Um, finally locked it in. It's been good. It's been real. Um, best of luck for the year. Look forward to catching up for a few beers soon. And um, so I wanted to, to have you in the show. You're a star, brother. Love you. If that wasn't enough for you and you want even more, you're in luck. Dylan Friends is now on Patreon. Dylan Best Friends. An exclusive loyalty subscription featuring the debrief podcast of each episode and bonus Q&As from Patreon members like this. Do you prefer the King of Bayside, Modern Day Adonis, or the Wheelchair Brad Pitt? Oh, Wheelchair Brad Pitt for sure. Although King That's of, true though. King of Bayside, I say that about myself and people bag me like, why can't Brad Pitt be in a wheelchair? And everyone goes, 
are you comparing yourself to Brad Pitt? I was like, maybe. <laughs> and there's plenty more where that came from. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you liked the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freer versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.